Welcome to Our Jewish Roots. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old received divine approval. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Faith for the future, our journey with the patriarchs. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. I am Jeffrey Seif, and I am reminded of a saying, a generation comes, a generation goes, blessed be the name of the Lord. Ooh, that's good. Well, yes. it's Abraham's time has come and gone. He's passing the torch on to the new generation, isn't he? It happens. It does. That's what this drama's all about. Let's go there right now. Isaac's father, Abraham, lived a long, full life and died at the age of 175. And Abraham's sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried their father in the cave of Machpelah, in the field that Abraham had purchased from the Hittites. It was here that Sarah had also been buried. Years ago, God had spoken to Abraham about his two sons. As for Ishmael, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. There are different expressions for death in the Hebrew Bible. On occasion, we run into the expression, someone's lamp has gone out. Another, it's said that we're like water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Speaks of one's life being played out. And in the case of Genesis chapter 25, verse 8, we're told that Abraham breathed his last. Earlier in Genesis, we're told that God had breathed the breath of life into Adam, ruach, breath. And here we're told that a famous man has breathed his last. We're told as well that his body was interred in the cave of Machpelah. It's an old word meaning double. And there's a discussion in the Jewish world why that is. Are there two rooms in the cave next to each other, one on top of the other? It's been debated, but one thing's for sure, talk about double, is this is the very place where Sarah was buried as well. This, by the way, this particular cave in the Jewish world is the second holiest site in the world. The cave of Machpelah is in Hebron now in what's called the Palestinian territories in the West Bank. But to be sure, Bible readers don't know so much about West Bank and East Bank and this bank and that bank. We know the Promised Land. And here's Avraham, the father of the faith, who's buried in Eretz Canaan, the land of Israel, the land of Canaan, along with his wife and others. Very, very revered. 
And the solemnity of the moment here is even amply attested in the literature, we're told, as you have seen in the drama, that there is a peace between uh, Ishmael and Isaac. Now, tensions between them are going to flare and I think probably be overstated. It's used to kind of analogize the tension between the Arab peoples and the Hebrew peoples, but, uh, but we don't see it here. We see them coming together uh, to bury uh, their father, and rightly they should. And it's interesting that funerals are time when people come together, they bury differences. To be sure, uh, Ishmael was given his land, his promise, his blessings. Similarly, uh, Isaac was given his. It's a big world. <laughs> There's room for everybody in it, to my way of thinking. We're told in verse 8, and again I'm looking in chapter 25, that Avraham breathed his last and died at a good old age. 175, that's a good old age. There's an expression here that I like. It says that he was old and satisfied. The Hebrew word visavea, satisfied. To die, satisfied. I'd like to, to speak to that for a moment. Uh, not every aspect of his life was satisfying. It was wrought with ups and downs and rounds and rounds, as it is with human experience. Avraham is called a Hebrew. Ibru etymologically means beyond the river. He took a journey. He left Ur of Chaldee, modern Kuwait. He wandered along the Fertile Crescent. He came to Eretz Kena'an, the land of Canaan. God visited him. God spoke to him. Sometimes his fear spoke to him as well. He took a detour in Egypt and got himself and his wife in trouble and escaped that. Not everything was perfect. Uh, in his own life circumstances, he was looking for a child, and uh, he, he jumped the gun with Hagar, and Ishmael was born. But then finally, uh, in due course, uh, Isaac was born. I wouldn't say the guy's perfect. I don't know anyone who is. Um, and I know that his life was wrought with triumphs and tragedies and tests. Since I'm throwing out T words, you might recall that uh, after finally the child was born, that is Isaac, he was beckoned to go to Moriah and sacrifice him. Happily, however, God stopped him and said he'd provide a sacrifice, and it wasn't Isaac, but it certainly was a test. This man had seen a lot of things, but he went to his grave satisfied. And would that we all learn that secret, because so many people don't go through life with a satisfied mind. There's a kind of perennial discontent that people live with. Anxiety seems so much to characterize the spirit of the age. It's worthy to reflect on the question, particularly if we look at faith for the future. Does faith have a way of settling the soul, calming us, uh, enabling us to have a singular focus? Sometimes fears and problems come out of the shadows, and they're just phantoms. Would that we learn the secret to look to the Lord as our guiding light. People remember death, and I'm glad they do. I know in the Jewish world there's a, uh, a service annually. I was in England a few weeks ago, and my sisters called and got together. We had a yardside service to remember our mother in the Jewish world on the anniversary of the death, we do that. And everyone went around, you know, the children, uh, grandchildren, and we said something about mom that we remembered. 
it's good to do that. And, uh, uh, but not only to remember the dead and commendable things associated with them, but to remember the principles of life that led them. That's the issue here. And certainly, Abraham is the father of faith. In this series, we're exploring faith. Faith is a flashlight that dispels the darkness. And as we're looking at the place where he was laid to rest, would you enter into his experience of the secret to have rest, that is, rest of the soul, and realize that it comes by walking by faith, faith in Israel's Messiah particularly. The Newer Testament helps us understand that Jews and Gentiles alike through faith are all heirs of Abraham. And so it is we're celebrating the father of us all who gave a life, who walked, who walked by faith, who had faith in God for his future. The Dead Sea, referred to in the Bible as the Salt Sea, provides a wealth of beneficial ingredients for skin care. This week, our ministry is offering you three of Ahaba's most popular products, all made from the sea's rejuvenating minerals. For your kind donation, we'll send you their mineral body lotion, hand cream, and foot cream. They soften, they smooth, and most importantly, they're made in Israel. Call 1-800-WONDERS and request the Skin Care Trio. Our Jewish Roots is more than just a television program. See what you are missing on our social media outlets. On Facebook and Twitter, you'll find our daily Name of God devotional, current news articles, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. On our YouTube channel, you'll find faith foundations, music, interviews, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. Or find everything on our website, levitt.com. We invite you to keep in touch and join us on social media. I'd like to give a little shout out today to our son, Ryan Hart, who lived and worked in Jerusalem for three years. It changed his life. It changed our lives from going, we've been 10 times now, it can change your life. We would love for you to join us on a tour to Israel. We go both in the fall and the spring. You can find all the information on levitt.com. Come with us, it'll change your life. Yes. I know a lot of workers in Israel and around the world, and the reason why they work is because God's people send them. That's particularly true of ministry in general. In this ministry in particular, we wanna be your agent. We get into homes, heads and hearts all over the world. We don't necessarily know who those people are. They write us sometimes when people are mad, but we get uh, people writing us and talking about decisions they've made for the Lord because of us. Well, not us, really. I would say it's because of you. And I mention that because the reason why we do what we do is because you enable us to do it. Please, if you find value in what we do, uh, demonstrate that in a way that helps us to do it, please. Our P.O. box comes up. There's different ways to give. We don't ask for it often, but I'm asking for it now, please. And I'm asking, believing that God rewards abundantly those who sow abundantly into his kingdom. And abundantly is something we describe in the giving, but it's also what we give to you. And Dr. Barry Seif has abundantly blessed us throughout this whole series with our insight and wisdom. We're going to hear from her in a minute, but first let's 
jump into the lives of Isaac and Rebecca and see some parenting issues that they're walking through. זה בטח יעבור להם. הם תמיד רבים ביניהם. לא משנה מה שאני אומר, תמיד פורץ ביניהם ויכוח. כל זה יעבור. אלוהים אמר שהבנים יהיו לשני לאומים. אחד יהיה חזק יותר מהשני. והבכור ישרת את הצעיר. אפילו בלידה הם נאבקו. יעקב נאחז בעשיו. זה היה סימן. יעקב הוא שורד. ויליאם קלפר כתב This is a mystery. This is one of those mysteries in Scripture that I really don't understand. How did we have the Worldwide Wrestling Federation in the womb, in Rebecca's womb? Womb in Hebrew is Rechem. It's a safe place. But there was no safety in this womb, was there? There was a battle between Jacob and Esau. Now, I've never had children. I've seen babies move around in their mommy's tummies, but I cannot imagine what it would be like for one to be wrestling with itself, let alone both of them. And they wrestled with it throughout their entire lives. I don't understand God's mystery here. I've had brothers, and they've beat up on each other. We used to all have sibling rivalry, but we all get along now. But with Jacob and Esau, the difficulty and the fighting and the jealousy, uh, we know at the end of the story it works out well, but right now uh, it's a challenge. However, 1 Samuel 16:7 says, "Man doesn't see as God sees. Man sees with the outer. But God sees with the heart, and God even knows how to view within the womb. And there's a mystery of that word womb, Rechem. It comes from the, from the word Rachamim, God's mercies. God's mercies are new every day. Great is His faithfulness. When we don't understand the mystery of God's ways, we can trust His heart. I mentioned our son Ryan earlier in this program. He has an older brother, and I believe that they were buddies since birth. Like they, maybe things that we don't know about, but we had it pretty, <laughs> right. pretty made as parents right. with our children growing up. They got along with each other. They didn't fight, but these two, Jacob and Esau. A little different. Just kind of, there well, are some problems. I raised a Jacob and a Zach, and then occasionally we banged a little head, so it happens. And I think that's part of brothers. They, they do that, but it's interesting because Barry was speaking about the fact that they even wrestled in the womb. There was just something going on in there already that uh, yeah, it was, going was on happening in there, before they came out. To, it's going on in there, and it's happening today. It is right. It, it, he, 
for a meal. That must have been really good stew, right? Because he saw, sold his birthright for some stew. That's true. Not a very commendable guy that's bested by his appetites and throwing away things that have divine origin. Very interesting. Yes, Part of the story. Is. That story right now, we continue our drama with Jacob and Esau, grown men, as they have yet another encounter. And the sons of Isaac grew. Esau became a cunning hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. One day Esau came from the field and was weak from hunger. It has been said that faith is the key that opens the door to the future. In this series, we've been looking at faith for the future. But what I'd like to do in this particular segment is to look at the very antithesis of that, the very opposite. That is to say, I'm less interested in faith for the future, much as I am interested in looking at future fatigue. By that I mean that not wanting to look ahead with faith to the future, but to live for the very moment. This is a recipe for disaster, and I know that, because when I look in Genesis chapter 25, I see an example of that. The story here is played out among sibling rivals, Jacob and Esau. Esau arguably had the birthright in his possession. In Hebrew, it's called bekorah, and it harks, like the term birthright, <laughs> it harks to the right of birth. In antiquity, you have a primogenitive system where those with the first right have a certain share of inheritance that comes later. But as we see here in the literature, this man didn't have time for later. He's very fatigued and he only cares about the moment. We're told in Genesis chapter 25, verse 27, these boys grew up, Esau and Jacob. Esau was very much a man of the field. Jacob was much more reflective. Esau was much more, in, much more sensual. Uh, he has needs and interests and they have to be satisfied now. I mention that because we're told in verse 29 that Jacob made a stew and he was very close to his mother. Uh, Esau knew how to kill an animal. Uh, Jacob knew what to do with it. Uh, he made a stew and when Esau comes in from the field, goodness, he is famished. And he says to Jacob, give me some of that really good stuff because I am exhausted. 
I get that. I've been there. I've been hungry. Jacob says in verse 31, uh, give me the birthright, the uh, bekora. And as I'd mentioned in antiquity, uh, this harks to certain privileges that accrue to the person later. But this person doesn't have time for later. They're just living for the moment. Their senses, there's a need, they need to fulfill it, and they need to fulfill it now. There's no patience, there's no discipline, there's no reaching into the future, all there is is now. Esau's hungry, he says, look, of, of what use is this birthright to me? What benefit? Well, I mean, it's a stupid question. There's, there's a lot of benefits to it, but the point is he is so uh, attached to the moment, he's unable to, to, to look into the future. Now, think of this for a moment, please. This series is called Faith for the Future. And as I mentioned at the outset of this segment, this is an example that someone doesn't have the aptitude to look to the future. His life is characterized by a lack of faith, uh, faithlessness. He's sensual. All he wants to do is satisfy the very moment. Friends, this is a recipe for disaster. You'll get nowhere in life with this. Jesus is on record in the gospel later on in the 10th chapter, uh, verse 9, saying, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, they will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He gives voice to the fact there's a doorway you enter into by faith in him, and by virtue of one so doing, they go in and out and find pasture. It's futuristic. I am the door. You go through me, and then you will find salvation. Sozo in Greek, wholeness, healness, resources. That's what's at play in the text. It's just not being saved as in the soul being saved. It's wholeness and restoration as in life being salvaged, both on this side of the grave and to be sure, the next. And what's the key to it? Well, it's the same key in uh, Genesis as it is in John, and that is faith. In the Gospel of John, it's faith in Jesus, and here it's faith in God who has spoken to Abraham and to his descendants saying there's a blessing, there's a future, there's something out there, but here's a man that doesn't have a mind for it because all he wants to do is satisfy his momentary impulses. We all have impulses, but I want to encourage you to marshal your resources and look beyond the moment into the future. That is so very important to have success in life. There's so much out there. In Scripture, we're told, lift up our heads, look into the future. Elsewhere in the Bible here in Genesis, lift up your feet, go, move. There's so much out there in the future, but you never find it if you're just trapped in the body, satisfying the desires of body and mind. We all have those desires. Let's take pains to see to it that they don't rule over us, but rather let's walk by faith and not by sight and then find good success out there in the future. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, 
YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store. There, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. As a mom of two boys, and actually they're grown men now, I kind of would get mad at the thought that Jacob did something sneaky to his brother. But Jacob was planning for his future, wasn't he? He was looking ahead, and Esau looked at the immediate. Esau is criticized by the rabbis uh, for uh, just living for the here and now, no spiritual interest, no thinking beyond the moment. That's a judge to be a real character flaw. Even though Jacob was being sneaky, and I look at Rebecca, I'm like, like, how could you put one brother against the other? Listen, that old, boy was, a that old boy was a con artist, that's a fact. And he, he got out-conned. You know, God has a way of helping us to polish off the rough edges. And uh, he was a con artist. He went away up to Badanaram, Syria. He got conned by Laban, his father-in-law. And so that's he, right. he was humbled. He was beat at the game. You're right. And that's coming up. That story is coming up. We have more to all of this in the next coming weeks. But it's interesting, isn't it? And there was something that you said in your teaching in this program, lift up your feet and walk by faith. faith. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important. You got to get, the New Testament author talks about lifting your drooping hands. I mean, the Bible encourages us to get up and get going. And Jacob did that. Yes. He saw where he wanted to go. God had to deal with him some. And we'll see that Laban kind of had to teach him a lesson or two also, but he was looking forward forward into the future. Yes, that old boy got beat up by life. He had it coming. And we all get beat up a little because no one's perfect. We have more of this fascinating story to bring to you next week. Until then. We end our program with Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, my home. A thousand years, a thousand years